0: I'm Bernie Crane. I'm John Crane. You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane, our dad.
1: Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, Modat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. This is episode 375. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music. Find them online at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Rabel for the show's logo. He is at twitter.com slash Dave Rabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. We did it, folks. That's uh, Just putting it as simply as that, I had a goal of raising $1,100 to fund my world tour By May 31st, and it is May 24th. And in the wee hours of this morning, I raised all of the money. And in fact, we've gone past it, which is very, very exciting. And I should say that you can still go to thejazzsession.com slash tour and donate. And look, not to put too fine a point on it, but I hope you will, because every penny that comes in is that much longer that I can go on the road. Also, you can become a member of the Jazz Session, and your recurring membership, either monthly or yearly, will also help keep me going while I'm on the road. This tour doesn't really have an end date in sight particularly, and the more help I get from you, the longer I can go, and the more in-depth can be my coverage of what's happening in the improvised music world all across the continent and hopefully the planet. Seriously, though, thank you to everybody who kicked in. Uh, there were tons of people who both donated money and also really put the word out through retweets on Twitter and all that kind of good stuff. And I'm just so grateful. It's crazy that I decided at the beginning of the month ah, I should go on tour. And then two weeks later, I've raised over a $1,000 to buy my bus tickets, and I'm going on tour. As a matter of fact, I've already got poetry reading scheduled all across the eastern US and I've got interviews set up and I've got like 20 stops between New York and New Orleans. And then I've got people who are offering me places to stay all over the place. So anyway, just go to the slash tour and you can you can join the mailing list. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason D Crane. All of those things to stay in touch with what's happening on the tour. Plus of course there'll be shows coming to you on the podcast from all of the places that I go and recordings of my poetry readings will be over at jasoncrane.org, my poetry blog. I'm just so excited about all of this. It's it's crazy. I'm giddy. There's a lot to do in the next several days before I leave on June 1st, and admittedly, I'm sitting in a not-packed-up-at-all room. But I don't have very much stuff anymore, so it won't take long to pack, and I'm—man, I'm just so excited to get out there on the road. (laughs) Just a small aside, I'm going to be taking Greyhound buses— Across the country, I'll be riding my bike sometimes too, but mostly I'll be taking buses. And a friend saw fit to tell me the other day <laughs> that someone a couple of years ago was killed and partially eaten on a Greyhound bus. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I'm not laughing because the story is funny. I'm laughing because that's a remarkably inappropriate thing to tell someone who's about to travel on a Greyhound bus. Another friend said, perhaps you should get a knife or some brass knuckles. Another person said, just sit close to the driver all the time. I I really don't think Greyhound is as terrifying as these people are making it out to be. I travel by bus all the time. Admittedly, it's Megabus, and that's run by the Brits, and maybe they're more civilized. I don't know. but Greyhound looks just fine to me. I think I'll survive. But if there are no more podcasts in a couple of weeks, you know, send somebody out to look for me, would you? Thank you. As I mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane. D as in David. You can find my poetry at jasoncrane.org. And I'll be posting their recordings of the readings that I do as I travel around. Some of them will be short. For example, I think I'm doing one in Philly between the second and third sets of a jazz show. And then there'll be some things where that's actually dedicated readings. I'm doing, you know, house parties or readings at various venues uh, that I'm booking now all over the place. And, of course, I'll let you know where I am. But really, the mailing list and Twitter are going to be great ways to figure out where I'm at so that if you want to meet me when I'm out there on the road, uh, you'll know where I am. All right? All right. Is there anything I forgot to tell you? Oh, yeah. Just that you can get the show in iTunes, and if you go to the iTunes store, even if that's not how you listen to the jazz session, but you have iTunes on your computer, if you go to the iTunes store, if you would just search for the jazz session, and then give it a rating, a star rating, up to five, and, you know, I hope it's five, and then give it a little review. It doesn't have to be anything particularly verbose. It can just be, you know, Jason is the greatest thing since Dud's Terkel. That, would, in fact... <laughs> In fact, if anyone would give me that review, I'd really be happy about that, because first of all, it's not true, and second of all, it would just kind of tickle me. And third of all, it's not true, so it's funny. Anyway, do that in iTunes if you would. Go to the everything, follow me on the places, do the stuff with your things and everything. Okay? Great. A few weeks ago, I went to the Jazz Standard, which I don't think actually has a the in it. It's like the talking heads. I went to the Jazz Standard and saw Gregoire Mare, who is uh, today's guest, and Man, as you'll hear in this interview, it was, it was nuts. It was crazily good. It was stupidly good. Gregoire's got a new album out. It's just called Gregoire Marais, so it should be easy to remember the title, and we'll hear a tune from it. This was actually the final tune they played on the set that I saw called Mania du Sol. My guest is the composer and harmonica player, Gregoire Mare. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks nice for being here. Nice to
2: meet here. you. Pleasure.
1: So, uh, I want to talk about the album, of course, uh, the self-titled album that came out uh, just a little while ago, but I saw your CD release at the Jazz Standard. Yes. And the I was there at the first set, and the final tune of the first set was uh, Mana du, Sol, Mania du Sol, Um yeah. with uh, Raul Midon sitting in, and I think... That song, I think, was the best single song I've seen performed live this year by anyone in any genre. Wow. It was amazing. And I went with a friend, the whole show was incredible. I went with a friend who's not a jazz person at all. In fact, who finds most of what most people would consider jazz kind of annoying. And she, just like me, was just like involuntarily laughing. And I mean, it was just amazing. It was like so joyous and incredible. To ask you starting off about kind of the place of of joy and the importance of that connection with the audience in a performance because it seemed very central to what you were doing.
2: It is, I, um, I think. Jazz, I mean, jazz went in many, many different directions, you know, over the past what 20, 30 years, and um, some people went into more intellectual branches, some people went more into. Maybe some more funky aspect of it, or it's just went in different, uh, you know, explore many different uh, styles and 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 textures. But I think sometimes a kind of uh, there was an aspect to me that originally in jazz, when we listened to like the original, like people early early on, that some, somehow sometimes seem to have disappeared and now Phil is coming back with a few bands like Robert Glassberg and those of again those guys is that is that whole yeah I feel making everybody feels really welcome and feels good listening to the music and it's actually some music is not simple because that's the thing we have the tendency to believe that you know if the audience likes it and it's just easy to listen to it's gonna be simple but not at all it's actually very sophisticated and it goes pretty far in terms of the, the amount of knowledge and, and, and skills that are necessary to be able to play that music. But it has this aspect that is actually very welcoming for the audience. And that's very important for me. Um, I guess also having performed with people like Cassano Wilson, Marcus Miller, Pamithini and Herbie are all people that I feel have always had that quality in their music. It's always quite complex actually in terms of if we really go into the details of it. But when we listen to it and we just just allow to to travel with the music we'll get the chance to just um, not even think about any of those aspects but just the the beauty and the, the sheer quality of the music and just it will just get to anybody's core in a sense people who like jazz or people who are maybe a little bit less fans of jazz and to me that was really an essential part of of making music always
1: too big a deal of this but you are physically demonstrative on stage when you play right in a way that um i mean i think that i think that can be if it's not sincere it can be overdone you know it can be the showman right, right. thing sure. but if it is sincere which it really felt like it was in your case it feels more like an artist who is just giving him or herself over to the music
2: yeah i mean I- To be perfectly honest, I don't even remember doing those things. You know, whenever it's happening, people tell me about it after the show and I'm like, oh, really? Okay. And then now by, you know, having done so many different shows, I've seen pictures, I've seen footage, so I see myself moving a lot. But it's not something intentional. It's not at all a show kind of thing. It's just me being really intensely into the music and being all about really the moment, you know. So that's really what it's about. It's, it's got nothing to do with any sort of uh, showmanship of, of any sort. Sure. One thing that I
1: thought kind of united the show and the album, and I was actually very surprised by this at the show, was that the, both the performance and the album are very generous. They give a lot of space to the other people that you play with. Right. At the show, there were long stretches where you weren't playing. Exactly. And I wanted to ask you about that, about the idea behind that. Well, for
2: me, it's really important to to find a balance because I do believe that when I don't play, for instance, for a little bit, it'll be really exciting for the music and for the audience when I'll come back. You know, it'll, it'll just give everybody sort of... that's not a break, but it's just a exploring different texture. And then when we come back to the harmonica, it will come back strong and and, and, and emotionally it'll, it'll be it'll be intense and, and be special if I was to play all the time which could be possible I could imagine doing that it would not have that that um, that impact on people I would believe you know so it's, it's all about finding the right balance you know I do want to play and I do want to present a, a certain type of sound with the harmonica and everything but I want to also make sure that it's the exact amount that is really needed to have the 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 biggest impact on people.
1: Really, is that something that you came to over time? When you were younger, were you playing everything you knew how to play in each solo, and then you eventually realized, oh, yeah, I, I think can that's something
2: that comes with a certain amount of maturity for sure. It, it you know playing less is actually takes a lot in terms of of growth, you know, personal growth and musical growth we have the tendency i have the tendency to to want to play all the time you know but then it makes so much more sense when somebody is able to stop a little bit and then and then play something after a little bit of a break that that whatever will be played right after this break will have such an impact you know for the the person playing for the band and also for the audience it seems like it might also give you
1: time to really absorb what's happening on the bandstand
2: yeah, but I have to be able to to do that while I'm playing as well. That's sure, what's, that's what really jazz is all about. But also, it is true that sometimes if I don't play, I'll be able to pay attention to certain things, maybe in in ways that is not the case if if I were to play. But um, uh, it also allows me to understand maybe what would be good next. You know, the kind of having a sense of orchestration and sense of direction for the show is is helpful, I guess.
1: The album is is very ambitious i mean it's got two multi-movement suites yeah. uh, and it's got a lot of people on it in various contexts it really covers a lot of sonic ground too can you talk about maybe what your goal was with the debut
2: record? it was really to introduce me as a both as a composer and a harmonica player you know i just wanted to make sure that people were aware that i'm just not just this harmonica player just just plays the instrument and that's it i can just play you know cover tunes you know and standards or whatever but I can also write I can arrange you know and uh, and also I guess I have a sense of, of, of um, I know in what direction I want to go so I, I really wanted to present this whole picture in a sense and I part of this picture is to be able to look back at my past what I've done my path in a sense and understand that with all those people I was able always to, to get a little bit more, to grow a bit. And so I, it's, a, it's a way to have those people as guests. It's a way to thanking them, in a way. But it's also a way to, to showing that um, that they were really, really meaningful into my, my growth, my musical growth. So I, I want to showcase that, in a sense. It's so
1: interesting because you picked... I mean, first of all, you picked a career as a musician, which is... It's improbable that you will, su- anyone will succeed at that career, and then you picked an instrument in which there are about three success stories right. that, that I can right. think of, right. and yet the people whose names you just listed, who are on this record and with whom you've played, are among the biggest names in the world of improvised music. To what do you attribute that? I mean, I've obviously, been very, talent. very
2: fortunate, you know, in my life, but it's 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 a lot of things. It's one aspect for sure is hard work you know i'm a hard-working person i've been practicing my instrument for many many years many hours and i think at some point it started paying off but i also have i think an approach and 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 um a way of playing the instrument that's quite unique you know and that's from being me but also the type of of people that I met the type of people I've played with as a sideman that I, I, I learned from as a sideman as well and it's, it's a mix of, of things that I intended and, and just life basically things that happen just by chance and I just always took whatever chance I had and try to make something out of it and try to grow um, from it so from the experience so that's basically what happened and then basically little by little people would notice my approach on the instrument and would be like I want you I want what you do on the instrument it's not just the harmonica it's I want the way you play the harmonica so that's what happened with Cassandra Wilson that's what happened with many other people and we have something real special uh, you know I've, I've for me it's always about really serving the music so when I was When I'm playing with Cassandra, for instance, it's, it's really about paying attention to what's going on in the instant, in the moment, and being able to serve that and try to enhance it. And sometimes it's by playing very little. Most of the time it's by playing very little with her. Sometimes it's by not even playing and just choosing the right note at the right time. And then sometimes it's maybe playing a little bit more. But it's always about the music first. And it's always been my goal and my intent. And I guess that's also a thing that's paid off. Uh, over the years now, but I've, I have to say that it's true that I've always had, um, uh, it looked, it always looked like I was, you know, I had very little chance to doing good with the instrument I picked with, uh, playing music in general, being a professional and, um, where I'm coming from, all those aspects of my life made it to be kind of, uh, almost sure that i wouldn't do i wouldn't do good (laughs) or doing well but i I never really intended i wasn't like you know i picked up the harmonica and i was like oh yeah you know i by that age i'll be playing with such and such and i'll be doing this and i'm gonna do a solo record i wasn't it wasn't like that it was just i love the sound of the instrument and i just wanted to play this instrument and then the next step came i was like you know this is just so amazing i want to Changed my major in school from languages to to music, and I did that. And then I'm like, I want to go study in the United States to you know learn more, and maybe I'll come back to Europe and become a teacher. And then it happened that I started working in the states a little bit and a bit more. And then I was like, well, let me stay and see what happens. And then I started getting phone calls from different people. So it's like really one step at the time always that it did happen. And finally, when for instance now I look back, it is quite a, an accomplishment i've done certain things and it's, it's quite uh, uh thrilling you know it's, it's amazing but at the, when i look at each experience and each moment it was it was just one step at the time really so that's the way it really happened for me
1: if you look back at the path does it seem like there was one step that was particularly important something that opened the door to the other steps that came out
2: there, there are a few i, I would say um one very important decision was to come here, you know, to be in New York study. I met, uh, one of the main guys in, uh, at the new school, the jazz department named Arnie Lawrence. And he introduced me to a lot of people. and He was very, very generous with me. Um, then I started playing a little bit around with different people and I, I played with yes different people that, that kind of give me a break. I mean, one of the first artists that was really important was um, Jackie Terrason. He helped me quite a bit. And then um, Jimmy Scott. I, I performed with him. That that was like really early on when I was in New York. After that, I started pre- performing with and recording with Steve Coleman, Robbie Coltrane, Andy Milne, Adapt Theory. And then Charlie, Charlie Hunter, I think, called me to do like a, basically a, a year... Of work with him recording and of uh, two two albums I, I believe in in one dVD and then or one album and one dVD and then the big break for me or what really kind of got me to the next stage in this next kind of it was a big break was playing with Cassandra Wilson she really kind of took me to the next level and then after that I got to play with Pat mitini Marcus Miller, herbie Hancock and those amazing artists.
1: In my imagination it's the case that playing harmonica with a vocalist is much more delicate than many other things just because of the vocal quality of the harmonica itself it seems like a very vocal instrument that's very
2: true Uh, one of the aspects of this album as a matter of fact is to showcase that is to showcase the fact that the harmonica has a very much a a, um, a quality that is very close to the voice and the voice kind of like the harmonica and i wanted to kind of Mix things up a little bit, like having the harmonica cover things that usually we, we hear with a song by by a vocalist or the other way around and that's that was one of the the first aspect that I was thinking about when I was making this record um, It's got yes it's such, it such a lyrical and beautiful quality to it. Uh, I wanted to really explore that a lot will
1: you talk to me about the two multi movement pieces that are on the sure
2: film? so the first one is called crepuscule suite which is uh the crepuscule is dusk basically it's, but for me the, the intent be, behind this composition was really to explore this moment between the day and the night that is kind of magical it's like it's not the night it's not the day it's just in between that's when certain insect animals will stop to rest and other will start to wake up and start to to their 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 what their day or their night, and to me, it's got something really. It's just there's a certain kind of sound because be, it's like two worlds getting to just uh, touch each other, basically. And 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 to to um, it's just a magical moment. And I wanted to kind of explore that time in terms of music because I feel that a lot of like almost sacred music to me music that I feel to be really really amazing kind of remind me almost of that time you know and um, so it's, it's it's divided in three parts an intro and then the main piece in the middle and then an outro and um, it's basically what happens during a 24-hour cycle and when we start uh, I, I give the intro has a name, which is the, the exact time of the day, and then the exact time uh, of the outro will give the, the the final moment of the of this composition. But um, I just wanted to—it's got a, kind of a mystical, mysterious aspect to it that I thought to be very interesting that I really wanted to explore. Sometimes for me it's just I get that this idea, and then it's like, how do you, ex, you know, do turn that into some music? And it's like, I I will not just be like, okay, let me look at all the different aspects of uh, this color and this and that. I, I won't do that. That in that in, I'll just try to find some kind of thing that rings true to me in the moment. And, and, and we'll go with that composition and try to make it grow to something that is sort of expressing that, that feeling. And um,
1: and do you try to set that up, uh, for example, during the recording process? Do you try to communicate that context to the musician?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew the, the name of the composition right away. And I we talked a little bit. I knew that it was going to be a piece that was... Of, if you listen to the, the main piece in the middle, it's a piece that is actually evolve and it's very slow but the drums is driving everything you know and everything on top of the drums or underneath the drums is real slow like it's like he's playing double tempo and it's, that's the the pulse of the the whole song but underneath that the melody is very slow in its developments, the harmonies are not going fast at all the everything is kind of Counter what's going on with the base and that was kind of the aspect that I wanted to to, to find different layers and different aspects of of, um, of 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 a sort of a new universe in a way. And I do describe certain vision that I have, or certain kind of picture that I have in mind, or sometimes even just a color or s- certain feelings to be try to, to be able to to express certain certain things that I wanna I wanna get into at the same time i I really love to give a lot of freedom to the musicians that i will play with because i do believe that uh, whatever vision i have from the start i can get something even better by embracing whatever understanding the other musician will 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 have of it
1: Mm. and the the crepuscule suite uh, is kind of the compositional side right. of the way you allow a lot of space when you play, because the suite also, I mean, you're just, you're not afraid to let things build
2: totally slowly
1: yeah. to let there be a lot of whole notes. Exactly. You know,
2: so it's all about that. It's for me, you, you, you got to learn when you become a bit more mature, you got to learn how to be patient to, to, to get certain things in, in, in life and also in, uh, in music in particular. And, um, If I were to just go crazy right away, okay, well, that would be uh, after a few seconds, we would go nuts and it would be maybe amazing. But there's something real special about building things very quietly and very um, slowly to a a moment of ecstasy at the end. And it's like it took all this time to build all that, that. That will bring that much more in terms of emotion to the audience and also the musicians, to me. And also it's about, if we talk about this composition, Crepuscule, that's what this moment during the day is. It's kind of a moment of, of peace, but like of real, th- it's very strong. There's a lot going on, but it's not something where it's going to show like a million things and we're going to just be blown away by, by a million explosions. It's just this very quiet moment that has a real powerful um, force in it. You know, and I wanted the composition to kind of uh, express that.
1: Are there uh, teachers you worked with during your time studying composition who you feel informed this way that you're... No,
2: the the funny thing is I've never really uh, uh, studied composition. I just, uh, for me, it's a very important aspect of music and my music, but I'm just a uh, self-taught composer. I mean... And uh, but I've been listening to a lot of music, you know. So I've been listening to jazz. I listen to classical music. I listen to pop, rock, everything. I just whatever music I like, I'll just really just keep on listening to it. And I don't have a particular style of music that is just the only things I will listen to. I listen to almost everything, you know. So I guess that'll come. That'll that will be. Clear in 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 the music, then I'll I'll be writing. You know, you you see so many different um, influences, and that's that's the way it is for me. But that's for me, music is it's, it's difficult for me to to speak in terms of styles, you know, because for me, music is just it's just a, a grand and beautiful um, art form that is uh, that doesn't have any style really. It, I mean, it does, but it's just I can't really speak in terms of style because I just feel like then, you know, there's so much things that could be explored in jazz that sometimes feel like it's not even part of jazz. But if it's kind of included in jazz, it could be so beautiful. And, and that's what I want to do as well.
1: Will you talk about the other multi-part work? Well,
2: the the other part is basically, for me, was I was thinking about, I wrote this, this song for um, a big project that never never basically uh happened it, it, it was this big idea that somebody had and talked to me about writing music for this this thing and and just never took place so i, I ended up with having this composition that was meant to be sung by a, a children's choir and i thought it would be beautiful and when i finally decided to to do in this record i was like i have to include this piece so that was one of the first The composition I had ready for the for the album actually, and um, I knew it was going to be a three three uh, piece suite, and uh, it's about basically the cycle of life. You know, this it's about the moment of conception until the moment we die, in a sense. But it's got nothing dramatic about it. It's just the beauty of life, in a sense. That's the 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 way I would. uh, describe it The first piece is called the womb then it's called children's song and then it's the outro and it's just um wants to kind of express the 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 different aspect and the the beauty of life in a sense you know that's the way i would describe it in its intensity in its beauty sadness sometimes a bit and um so i just try to explore different things and and for the intro i just wanted to try to explore something quite different Almost like what? What? What does a an unborn baby would hear in the womb? You know, what kind of sound would go through the, the filters of you know? And um I just uh, I just came with, with me and Federico together. Came with this uh, this whole thing. He was playing all the the different keyboards for this uh, for this piece.
1: This uh, album also contains a. a- tuned by one of the most important musicians in my own life, um, Stevie Wonder, and there's yeah. an obvious connection with the harmonica there too. Can you say a few words about, yeah. about
2: Stevie? We, well, there's a few things about Stevie Wonder. We share the same birthday. Oh, <laughs> well then, happy the birthday, birthday? birthday a couple, thank couple days you, yeah, ago. It was <laughs> just uh, a couple <laughs> days ago. And uh, I've always been a huge fan of, of his work, of, of, of everything. You know, the, the composition, his singing... Genius, his uh, ability to play any instrument, and um, since a small child, really. And it's actually later, after I I was really serious playing the harmonica, that I realized that he was playing the harmonica. I I knew his music, I loved his music, but I never realized he he was the one playing harmonica. So, that being said, I just, uh, for me, it was very natural. to, to to do one of his songs and I wanted to maybe do a song that is a bit less like known that maybe not every person on earth have covered but something that is uh, just as beautiful just as amazing but maybe a little bit less uh, uh, yeah just uh, been less uh, played by, by a lot of people and I thought this composition was real special and um, we should mention it's the secret life of plants secret life of plants yeah It's from an album that is a bit less known. Uh, it was for me, it was very natural looking back at and, uh, who helped me become who I am as a musician and also as a harmonica player. I had to pay tribute to the two masters, which are Stevie Wonder for this song, of course, and then uh, Toots Tillmans as well. That is actually a special guest later on on the record as well. So that that was really natural for me to do that. And I just wanted to kind of make the song a bit my own. I just didn't want to just cover the song just like Stevie recorded it and that's it. I wanted maybe to do it kind of in a simple way, but having something that is just my version of it. So that's why I have this whole solo section in the middle and all kind of stuff. And uh, that's, that's how it came up,
1: yeah. Uh, so you mentioned uh, Sandra and Tootsie Elmans who are both guests on the album. Will you talk about yeah. some of the other folks who appear on that? Sure.
2: Well, we have Mark Keeble and Alvin Shea um, uh, of Take Six who are a special guests on a, a song named Prayer and who did an amazing amazing job. I wrote this song with Take Six in mind. So when I finally was able to get in touch with Mark Keeble and he accepted to do A vocal arrangement on it. I was just really thrilled, and then finally I heard the the the, what he did. I was just I couldn't believe it. it was just absolutely perfect. So we have also Tut Stillmans who is um, a, a guest on O Amor e Meu País which is uh, that means uh, love is my country in English and it's a beautiful composition by Ivan Lins Brazilian composer and uh, it was uh, arranged for orchestra and two harmonicas basically uh, for the occasion and it was it's really powerful it's really beautiful for me it was like a dream come true to have him as a special guest and and whatever he came up with is just absolutely amazing to me uh we have cassano wilson uh singing the man i love raoul midon is on mania du sol uh and marcus miller is on the first suite named crepuscule uh, playing fretless and i was really interested in having him play fretless because i've known i've known for years how absolutely amazing he is also on fretless because we hear his his him play electric bass usually on a fretted uh, bass uh, and slap a lot and do a lot of signature um uh, stuff kind of that we all know marcus you know uh, he's one of he's the best to do on the bass but the thing that i feel the the uh, the bass or the kind of bass that I've heard him do amazingly as well, but less maybe, is uh, play on the fretless. And he's he's got a voice, he's got something real special and I just wanted to showcase that. Yeah. Are there some upcoming shows uh, that you like yeah. to tell folks about? We're about to go to um to Washington DC on the twenty fifth and twenty sixth of May, uh at uh, the Bohemian Cavern. For two nights with the band. Then we are flying off to uh, Atlanta for the Atlanta Jazz Festival. Then we have to go to Europe um, on uh, June 9th to the 13th. We have uh, one uh, concert in Slovakia and then two nights in Paris at the Duc de Lombard on the 11th and 12th of June. Um, on the 25th of June I'm playing at uh, the Rochester Jazz Festival and on the 30th of June I'm playing at uh, Montreal Jazz Festival and right before that I'm also playing at the Blue Note with Cassandra Wilson um, uh, starting on the 28th of June so those are the dates
1: I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow and you just did all of that without looking at anything that was pretty impressive (laughs) (laughs) I'm not not really sure what I'm doing after we finish
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I got to to be able to uh, remember that. (laughs) That
1: was very impressive. My guest is the composer and harmonica player, Grégoire Marais, and uh, the the album is great. It's uh, just titled under your own name, and I thank you very much for coming on
2: the show. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: That's music from Gregoire Marais' self-titled debut. Go to thejazzsession.com slash tour, would you? You can still kick in money, and that's a huge help to me. You can also go to thejazzsession.com slash join and become a member. That's kind of an in-perpetuity thing. I mean, you can cancel it, of course, but, you know, it's a recurring thing, so that that money will always be coming into me as I'm traveling, which is great. I mean, that is how I'm going to live while I'm on the road. It is the members who kick into the show. It's your money is how I'm going to live. So, please, keep me alive. Uh, you know, join the mailing list at com. Follow me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane. Do all of those things because I am going on the road starting June 1st, and I'm going down the East Coast first, uh, you know, kind of with some trips into the interior in Tennessee and places like that. I'm doing a poetry reading in Nashville, and I'm doing one in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, and I'm doing a thing in Philly, and I think I'm going to do a thing in Richmond, and all kinds of places so you know if you do the mailing list and the twitters and all of those things you will know where i am and if you want to come see me and meet me i would love to meet all of you there's so many cool people who i've interacted with because of this show and you've just in places where i'm not and now i'm gonna go there so please come meet me you know I'd, it would be a thrill okay look it's obvious that i'm having difficulty putting words together so let's just Call this thing to a halt, shall we? Uh, Thank you to everybody who helped me reach my goal. I just i am so humbled, and it's it's crazy. I don't even know why you do it, but I'm so happy you do. And let's just turn things over to Red Wierenga from the Respect Sextet for some piano music, uh, and then my kids at the end. And while all that is happening, if you would please get out there and support live jazz and poetry whenever and wherever you can. And come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.